0: Hello and welcome to Spilling the Freeze, episode 13. Wow, unlucky for some, but not for us. I'm Jim, and who am I with? Who am I with? I'm with Cook. How are you doing? Very good, mate. Very pumped after watching the Steph
1: Curry doc. Literally straight off watching it, onto the pod, to give my
0: steaming hot takes. Couldn't be fresh off the mind. you literally just finished it. So I guess we're going straight to you. You must be the best person to come to right now who's just watched the doc. Did you enjoy it? What was your overall thoughts?
1: Thoroughly enjoyed it, mate. And I was a bit surprised that it was as long as it was because I I thought a two-hour doc, a lot of people are going to look at that and be a bit daunting, but I love Curry, so I was going to watch it regardless. And yeah, thoroughly enjoyed it. I thought two hours flew by. I thought some of the cameos and like appearances in it were really good. I thought aesthetically it looked beautiful like the way they paused um like old uh, old stills of him using like the old for example like handheld like jvc or something like using that effect and stuff like that taking you through a timeline of his life when he's struggling at davidson he's struggling at golden state and then finishing it off how it f- finishes off without actually spoiling it all but yeah thoroughly enjoyed it and yeah solidified curry is arguably my favorite ever basketballer not the best basketballer
0: my favorite <laughs> Well, it wouldn't be far off a list of the best to be fair. He is, that dominant, that good now. Um, yeah, the, the, I don't know if anyone's not seen it or not heard about it, but there's a new documentary on Apple TV called Stephen Curry underrated. Um, it's kind of going through his 21, 22 season when, um, Golden State Warriors win the fourth title during the Curry era. Um, he gets his first finals MVP during that time. It's kind of contrasting that to his, um, year in 2008. Um, in Dave, in Davidson, near Carolina, uh, when he, really, he reaches sorry the elite eight um, in college basketball, while also being a husband, being a father, um, he's getting his very late um, degree. Um, so yeah, it, it, it's really interesting to watch. But what do you think? What do you make of the the title of the Doc Cup underrated? Um, as as Steph Curry, can you underrate a guy who's won four titles and? Um, but like I said, got the score. We got the most 3 pointers in in history. Got that in this season. That the documentary was was filmed, um, and I know we can't be underrated now. But yeah, what did what did you make of the underrated themes to the documentary?
1: Yeah, I thought that the theme that they were trying to tell us again. I'd probably say spoiler warning from now onwards. If you haven't seen it, go and watch it, and then come back and listen to this. You can't
0: spoil the documentary. Yeah. It's, suppose... it's real life.
1: I suppose <laughs> right. it's like when people were spoiling uh, was it Dharma and everyone's like it happened ages ago it's news it's not made up it's like Oppenheimer isn't it? oh no spoilers please it did oh, no. happen <laughs> no spoilers the bomb go off no spoilers but no no. I, I think that it just shows that even Steph Curry can be underrated and I know that there's the big argument that I've managed to do a bit of research in the couple of minutes that we've had from the break sorry from the doc and yeah, I just think that the main the main argument is that people say, oh, he's a kid from Privilege, so how can you underrate him? His dad played in the NBA, so how can you underrate him? You can underrate him because at one point in the documentary, the whole point is he's shooting from his waist to generate more power because he's this skinny, small kid and he, and he can't compete unless he is shooting from the waist to get more, obviously, power and leverage. And his dad's saying, well, how serious are you about it? Because if you're serious about it, you need to start shooting from up here because these guys are tall and they're going to start from up here as well. So he says in the dock for three months, he couldn't even get a bucket. He couldn't get near the rim. He was always just falling short. And then after that, he was just demoralized. He goes, absolutely rips it off at Davidson, but it wasn't easy. So yeah, for Davidson to be the only real D1 team looking at him is is absolutely crazy. And again, it's, Comes full circle. How can you rate, underrate someone from privilege? Well, there you go. If if you don't actually have the talent from the get go, then yeah, Stephen Curry is arguably one of the best NBA players ever. Definitely the the best three point shooter of all time, in my opinion. And yeah, it just shows that even even a lot of people can underrate someone and miss someone as good as Steph. No,
0: yeah, I completely agree. I mean, I do get the it's not got a lot of backlash, but I have seen a few comments online where when your dad's played in the NBA for 15, 16 years and he had his, there was the part where he went to Virginia Tech where um, Dell had his jersey in the rafters and he didn't get a look in there at that college. But at the same time, he, there is a lot of um, people passing up on Steph. Um, even to the point where the 21-22 season, I mean, there was the whole montage of analysts, um, experts in quotation marks um, on American TV, um, saying that Steph's done, he he doesn't look the same, Um, the Warriors won't win again, all this stuff. When he was drafted, it was his ankle, he had a lot of ankle problems first few seasons. And I mean, I actually looked at um, his scouting report because there's quite a, a few funny Bit in this going for anyway. This is the same for every NBA star. By the way, who's gone on to greatness? They all seem to be asked loads of questions. off, but I'll just read off some list. Too skinny, can't get to the rim at NBA level. Can't guard NBA guards. Not a true point guard. Poor shot selection. First step is average at best. This is what NBA experts were saying before draft night in two thousand and nine, and and now look at him. Um, yeah, I, th- I think there is a lot of underrated elements to Steph Curry's career, and he wasn't expected to be as good as he is. He wasn't expected to be the leader of a team who created a Dynasty to win four championships in what six six seasons. Yeah, an amazing player and a great documentary. And one of my favorite parts of it was actually right at the end when they did the montage of his, um, his playoff run um, and that 22. 21-22 season and then his last game for Davidson and he had quite similar shots in there and it was then ultimately winning. I just thought that was really well made. It was genuinely one of the best
1: made documentaries in terms of the way it was pieced together and the timeline. Sometimes you can confuse a lot of viewers when you go through different points in time and you keep hopping from different periods and this didn't and it didn't feel like you were just dragged from one point in time to another. You When you were put in a time period, you were there for a good 10 minutes or so. And you really, again, I just think that the way it was put together really underrated. Some of the actual cut scenes and just one that came straight off to my mind. Um, sorry, one that just came straight to my mind, should I say, um, is the one where his kid is popping all that bubble wrap and he just gets another one out and you're like, oh, he's just going to do another dead loud bang and just cut straight away. They're in San Francisco. <laughs> just like little things like that. But yeah, I thought it was really well put together. His coach deserves so much credit at Davidson and I just didn't know how big an impact he had on him. I didn't know that that's the route that Steph took and he took him all the way to the Elite Eight and so close to to the Final Four, is it? And I I just think that for them to play in a really shit conference as well and then to decide, you know what, we are going to play against better teams because in the long run it will make us better as a squad, and it did. They they went all that way and they just didn't have enough left in the tank. But yeah, at one point that guy says it in the doc one of the journals. They he goes, "Are these the best team in the country?" And and I, I think they believed they were. So yeah, great doc. Thoroughly enjoyed it. Would recommend.
0: Yeah, definitely recommend to all listeners. Get get one more free trial. I mean, Steph himself was tweeting that people can get trials. Um... Yeah. Don't know how they did it because I am I'm, I'm already currently going through one of them myself. So I didn't actually click the link. A new um if you're a new customer, you get a two-month free trial, that's it. Well, there you go. Two and there's plenty of good shit to watch, but either way, it's a good documentary, and I'm glad they did it over one film. Like I know it's nearly two hours long, but I've seen it for sporting documentaries have like ten episodes and it's he's slow in parts. And for this it he does go pretty quickly and it's it's quite nice to watch. So yeah. We'd recommend that to all listeners if you haven't watched it. um, You'll definitely learn something and you appreciate Steph even more if that's possible. Did you like um, seeing KD, Jim, right at the start? I love that. That melted my heart a little bit, that. Yeah, when he came to congratulate him oh, on it. getting the three-point record because yeah. he, he wasn't playing at the Warriors at the time, obviously. Um, the pandemic, he's not been back
1: once since the pandemic and his injury and stuff, so he's never actually gone back. Steve Kerr was saying, we've got a big thing for when he comes back like a big thing for the screen and a big say, thank you for what you did here, but it's just not happened. So yeah, that really
0: was nice it. for me. Well, that's just the impact he's made on it, because he's, he's made he's made that impact on Durant to make him want to be there for that moment. And also just, just finally, when you touched on his old coach at Davidson, he was there when he got his his diploma. Um, and that's how much of an impact he made on him. And he looked really emotional throughout all of it, just speaking about Steph like 15 years ago now, it would have been.
1: Yeah, and and he's been a coach there for thirty three years. It's said in the dock, and again, you talk about longevity, and he he has single handedly lifted that program up with Steph, and credit to him and credit to them. Now, even Steph, when he's FaceTiming Draymond, and their teams are playing each other, Davidson are playing. I can't remember. Was it yeah,
0: missing? I thought that was great when he was when he was watching his old college team, and then he yeah. could see his old coach on the sideline. And he was saying, "Oh yeah, I mean, with his old teammates." Yeah, it, it, was, it was that was really good. That was probably one of the better moments. Um, but yeah, we'll move on from Steph to another um, NBA star cook who has recently made NBA history, and I, I assume this will be something that is going to be continue to be broken as the NBA develops and seasons go on. But Boston Celtics elite two way player um, of the NBA, Jalen Brown, has signed the largest contract in NBA history. And Cook, when you hear that and you hear Jalen Brown, would, would, would you think that he will be the player to be at the most expensive the largest NBA contracts in history? Um, but yeah. yeah, it is it is it is something that is increasing year on year. Um, so well, when I first seen the news, I did admittedly react maybe a bit negatively towards it and thinking, Jalen Brown, like, when you think of the list, the top... Five or six NBA earners. You've got Jokic, there, Luca, Yanis. These are, for me, guys that are clearly the best player on their team. Um, they're clearly like top five, top six players in the NBA. For me, like it would be like they would be right over. Jalen Brown for me isn't. his clear number one option in Boston. I think we can all agree on that. I mean, yeah, he is an elite, elite player, but he isn't the top tier for me. So when I first seen it, I thought, Jalen Brown for that much? But then when you look into it, Cook, what else could Boston Celtics have done? Um, They lose Jalen Brown and they're no longer title. like, because they are contenders now, they've been contenders for a few years, since they got, even before they got to the finals against Warriors. They they, they couldn't really do anything else because they've been offering this max extension. No, you're right. And
1: to be honest with you, they made a rod for their own back and, all through the season, there was times where Jason Tatum was injured or load management or whatever. And Jalen Brown was that guy at times for Boston. And there's been times where Tatum, again, even in the playoffs, Jalen Brown's been carrying the load. And he said, listen, because he said it's me or him, basically, about Tatum. Because the whole talk was Brown's not happy. He's dragging his feet over this extension because he's like, well, I want to be the guy. At the end of the day, you're not going to be the guy when Jason Tatum's there. And we thought, you know what, Brown's going to go. They're going to trade for some nice pieces. Boston are going to get better. And then out of nowhere, Marcus Smart is the sacrificial lamb. They go and get Paul Zingas and they make this big three. Offer Jalen Brown this mad deal. And now they're going all in. Boston are saying, you know what? Okay, you're saying you're that guy. Money where your mouth is. Be that guy. Win us a championship. Help Jason Tatum take us to the promised land because it's been that long for him. So, yeah, they had no choice they made a rod for their own back getting rid of Smart to do this, but it has to work because if it doesn't work, the boy's going to pay with his job and not Jalen Brown, the gaffer.
0: Yeah, and I'm sure there's going to be moments in this season where you can't be consistent over that the amount of NBA games are. There's going to be times when Jalen, Jason... Ugh, I'm getting confused. Jason Taylor is the guy because there have been moments where he's hit 50s, he's, he's carried the team on his back. He's been the hot hand Brown's been struggling sometimes, especially in the playoffs. Um, a lot gets made of him drilling on his left hand, um, which is quite funny. There will be times during the season where people will be like, why is he getting paid this much when it's it's Tayum? who's taking Boston to the, to the heights that they will reach this season. Uh, but ultimately, he's uh, something that they had to do to keep contending. And they are one of the favourites. I think they are actually title favourites um, going into the season. And I seen a really good um column like Article in the Athletic. I can't remember it's by now, I forgot his name, but it's about the salary cap. It's about how to judge players not on the contract but on how much of the salary cap it takes up. So for example, Brown's three hundred and four million dollar deal takes up around thirty percent of Celtics' salary cap. Um so the money on it on the face it looks massive, but it's the percentage is staying the same for the all star players um, as the salary cap has gone up. There was in the last 10 years, the salary cap in 2014 15 was $63 million. Going into next season, it is more than double, it's $136 million. So we're just going to see higher and higher contracts. This doesn't say that Jalen Brown is worth $300 million, but I don't know, a Steph Curry in 2015 isn't worth that it's just the inflation of how much the NBA is growing gain more money with more TV deals it does and sponsorships it gains and the bigger the audience's grows because now it's a worldwide game as they continue to say the money's just going to go up I mean they did a lot of comparisons they did a, they talked about Jeremiah Grant signing a five-year 160 million dollar contract which for it. it's a good player, but for the looks, you can 160 million 60 million for Jeremiah Grant, that's insane, but in 2020, that would have been the equivalent to Van Vliet getting his deal at the Raptors, which looked decent at the time. In 2015, it would have been the same as Goran Dragic getting his deal. There's a lot of, it's a really good article and there's a lot of good, um, a good comparisons and it's a good to look down the timeline. So there was another one where He said the NBA's highest paid player per season. So going into next season, before well, actually, it's still in Brown because I think his deal goes up as the years go on. When he gets to 31, he earns like 70 million that season, which is it's going to be a good year for him anyway. But next year, Stephen Curry is the highest making play. He makes $51.59 million. But going back 10 years, that was Kobe Bryant and he was making half of that. So it's not to say that Steph Curry is better playing Kobe. It's just the money's going up and that's just how the NBA is working. And so. Yeah, I would urge people to read the article because it will change the way you um, analyse deals and you look at how much a player is getting paid. You don't just look at on the face of it of the actual the dollars that they're getting, it's per how much of the salary cap they're taking up. And, and also Jalen Brown is a player who's probably worth about 30% of your salary cap because he is like he's an elite player. So he's, there's, you can't really, I feel like if you traded him, you couldn't have replaced him
1: exactly and and you're going to spend a lot of money trying to replace him getting it wrong having to trade for pieces starting again and you've had a guy in your organization for what a lot i don't even want to estimate maybe four years
0: you he's so. already built that relationship with Tatum yeah. and everyone else
1: yeah exactly and it's the little things as well like the staff the manager joe uh, joe missoula sorry has had a year under his belt with these guys they they do trust the process with him otherwise he would have gone in a year that a lot of people pulled the trigger on managers I was surprised that the Warriors stuck with Steve Kerr because I thought oh god I could very well see them pulling the trigger on this and he didn't which made me happy but for someone who watches a lot of the Boston Celtics I'm happy that they did this at the money that they have did it because you had to keep him regardless and Again, somebody who watches a lot of Boston, I'm gutted they a lost smart, but I'm so happy that they've kept Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum together, because those two as a duo, even if Paul Zingas is a dud, those two are good enough to get you there, and they've done it in the past, and they were a Golden State Warriors away from doing it, and I just think that it is it is win or bust for them at the minute, and i just checked the odds while you were waiting, Denver are currently the favourites at 9-2, to and then Boston, second favourites at 19-4, to so yeah, a lot of people think they're going to do well, and that segues us nicely, Jim, onto the next team we're going to talk about, the Phoenix Suns. Yes. Currently fourth favourite at 13-2 to two there. Added in a lot of nice pieces. On the pod, I want to say it was Ep2 when we was talking about them trading for Bradley Beal. We said they're still a bit thin other than the starting five and they don't really have a lot of depth. They've addressed that now, I want to say 10, 11 episodes later.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think at the time of recording, we'd have to go back, but I'm pretty sure on the contract books they had four guys, and he was all on max deals. And I think it was Beal, Booker, Durant, Aiton, and I think that was it. A lot of change, yeah. And I mean, I think I think if you're thinking what winners of the free agency, it's, it's them. The the, the right of the uh, for me, it's them or the Lakers, and I think the Suns have done with. What they had to spend and what they could offer players have got incredible value. Um, they brought in some, they brought in a lot of pieces, a lot of some minimum contract deals, but they're not necessarily the kind of deals you would see minimum players get. These are usually like 34, 35 year old veterans who are just trying to stay in the league. You now, they've got some some good young guys so They've So they brought in um through Eubanks, who's a backup center from Portland. Cater Bates diop from San Antonio. Um, he's quite highly rated. Utah Watanabe, He played at Durant in Brooklyn. He shot about. He shot about forty four percent. Um, Lad, he's classic. He's, he's a good piece of him for for a lacklustre Nets.
1: Again, I watched quite a lot of them before this traded away the fucking farm yeah. last year, and and they became really boring. But. There was times where he was such a good two-way player off the bench for them. He was even called Swatanabe at one point. <laughs> he was that good. So yeah, no, I, I totally agree with you yeah, lad. I think that they beefed up that roster. Durant's definitely been like, listen, I played with him at Brooklyn. I love him. Durant actually said to him, I have to tell him to slow down because he, he's just wants to get straight to the basket and he's a huge fan. So I'm glad to see them two link up and they've fattened up a bit, lad. And I think that nine to two, mmm.
0: Not bad. Yeah, they're a really, really interesting team. Just because they've obviously got the big free, but it doesn't guarantee championship because we've seen in the we've seen very recent history of big threes failing. We've seen the OKC fund have a, a, a few big threes. I mean, the last night have been couples. The, the Mellow Paul George and Westbrook and didn't quite work out. you got the one in Brooklyn only two, 18 months ago. Paul um, Harden Kyrie Durant didn't work out ultimately, uh, because it is championship. This is championship or bust. If Boston Celtics is, this Phoenix Suns one definitely is. Um, but the the bench looks quite strong. And there is gonna be one of these guys are gonna sign in on a minimum contract, and I think they're gonna get paid the year after. It's gonna be almost like a a Bruce Brown effect where he came in at Denver when no one really wants him and Denver felt he just he just fell to Denver, it's like he was meant to be he impressed off the bench like incredibly especially in the playoffs and now he's earning 40 million um in in indiana sorry and i think it's going to be one of these guys who are going to earn two million this this season but the season after these could be people who championship teams are going to look at um, eric gordon came he's the only really old one but again he can still get you a bucket and ball ball is a really interesting addition as well He he, actually, he played for Denver. He went to from Denver to Orlando. Had his best season last year. Um, He made quite a few starts there. He's a player who, when you analyze how tall he is and that he can shoot, he can dribble, he can pass. He's like a B tech when Banyama. Like he should be really, really good, but just hasn't lived up to what he could be yet. But at the same time, with the money that Phoenix are paying him and there's no pressure on Ball to be this like insane offensive threat anymore because they've, always, they've, they've got the best offensive big three in the league. They've got Durant who wins scoring titles. He's won four scoring titles in his career. You can imagine Buck is going to carry on averaging 25 plus. He was average 30 plus in Washington for years now. So he doesn't need to have 15-29 Ball. He just needs to improve his game. and he doesn't. He's not even under the limelight really. So this could be the perfect um, landing spot for him and there's not really a, really a huge pressure him to deliver it and it's, a, it's kind of like a a win-win situation for Phoenix because of how much they're paying him. Um, there's not not much risk there, should I say. And again, Cook, cook. they're really interesting because they're so good but they've got so many flaws, haven't they? It's a completely new team. Like the bench is all new. So it's going to take a while to adapt. They've got a new coach. Um, he was the Lakers winning coach in the bubble in 2020. And they haven't really got a point guard, Cook. Um, latest um, reports are that Bradley Beal is going to run the point. I mean, what do you think about them going into next season with all these insane pros but also, there's still a lot of questions to be asked. Does it make them one of the like, high, most highly anticipated teams to watch, would you say?
1: Yeah, I definitely agree with that And in terms of, basically, you're going to see an improvement from last year with Phoenix because there was all that expectation on them last year but, Obviously, past the starting five, they were as thin as anything. But now, like you said, even if those guys flop, they're still tradable assets. Like Ball Ball, even if he does really well, right, and something just happens, let's say, I don't know, Russell Westbrook comes available for whatever reason, that's a trade you can make, and and ball ball is a reusable asset going forward. And like you said, the risk is so minimal. So I think that that's only going to do in favors. The fact that they're not like, oh god, everyone sees us as the top dog. That's Denver's problem. They're the top dog now. But in Phoenix, they just need to gel, and I think they will. I genuinely think they will. I think they'll be there, and I think that for Phoenix fans, they'll definitely expect them
0: to get to the NBA Finals, definitely the Conference Finals. Yeah, they're going to be a team to beat. I, I think they've got so many strengths. Uh, obviously, the strength is the scoring. I mean, that there's a, they've got a three there that can probably get under the night and that's just... That's the floor, really. That's not the ceiling for these guys, but that's haunted. But for me, the biggest weakness um, will be between two things. They still haven't got a guy that can stop a Nikola Jokic. Granted... No one stopped Nikola Jokic last season, so it's not something that other teams have as an advantage over Phoenix. But the other big thing, cut would be injuries. And the big three especially have shown in the past in the career that they've missed valuable time. Um, Beal has missed 45.1% of the season schedule, the regular season schedule, sorry, of the last two seasons. Durant, 37.8%. And Booker, 26.2. It's not great. Um, and the, you imagine that the stats will align and there will be potentially a large portion of next season where they are without maybe one of these guys, maybe two at the same time, which significantly weakens Phoenix. Um, all healthy, it's an insane roster. But I mean, this, this is, go and say any team when a star gets injured, is going to go dramatically worse. But I just think in Phoenix's case, they sacrificed so much of the money in these three or four guys that it's even more significant for them. So this that'll, that'll be telling next season. I don't think this is a team that's going to finish one or two in the regular season. I think they're going to be more of a post-season for it. I think you're going to just hopefully get to the postseason and get little healthy. Yeah,
1: I agree. And I think that you'll have to manage the minutes of those boys and now that you've got the roster to actually do that, you need to do it and you almost need to put your pride aside really and just be like, okay, I know people are paid to show me, but do you want to win or do you not want to win? Because I I can't do what I used to do. If I'm a KD, my body's not the same, I've had too many injuries and I need to look after myself and I'm that valuable, I need to do it. So if they do that and again, put pride aside and just actually manage these guys' minutes sensibly then you will stay healthy for a lot of the season. And the worst possible outcome is they're all injured at the same time. And and, and that, again, is worst possible outcome. But given the percentages you've just reeled off, Jim, it's definitely possible. A
0: chance. Yeah, it's <laughs> possible. I'd be naive
1: to say it's not possible.
0: Yeah, or at least two of them get injured, which makes it like it, it makes Phoenix into not a playoff team, let's face it. I'm excited <laughs> to see them, though. I'm excited to see what oh, he yeah he to play. But- because, like you said, new coach, big change. Yeah, the one of my... If I was to pick some teams that I really want to watch next season, it would be them just to see how it all works. If anything, I'm, I'm more intrigued. Some off. Real some off Who are you looking for? Right. Yeah, we said the Pacers the other week, um, but Suns definitely just because of how much they changed. I mean, Spurs are an obvious one. You just want to watch Wemba Niamh and see how it gets on. Um, and there's some of the younger teams as well. I want to see how the Rockets have developed. I want to see how the Magic are getting better. Some of these teams that yeah. are probably not going to make playoff play-ins, but... You try yeah. to see some improvement there, and we'll talk about the magic soon
1: because because again, young. We talk about young ballers; they're full of them. So we'll we'll talk about them in the near future, just like we've give Washington their credit for their young ballers. And yeah, a few like I said teams that I'm looking forward to seeing. Uh, Orlando, I agree there. Washington, a big one, and a bit of a well, the Lakers. Yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to seeing that. But a bit of a left field one, Jim, the Clippers.
0: Yeah, of course they they they've got. The opposite problem with the Suns, they've got too many guys in a minute, and we'll see what happens with Harden as well. If Harden goes there and we see a Harden and Westbrook yeah. reuniting well, Harden what? and Westbrook, and then Westbrook and PG, and it's kind of like this, you're banded back together. Yeah, um, why PG weren't they both injured at the same time last year in the playoffs? Yeah, there wasn't, yeah, exactly. That was the time <laughs> when Westbrook was just doing yeah. silly things in the playoffs. I mean, he was against the Suns, so yeah, it's come full circle. <laughs> um, yeah. But, yeah, but no. yeah, we'll get we'll get to everyone's favorite team when we cook. Is how we trying to say? I mean, we have got a lot of time before yeah,
1: we, the spoke of the it, we? we spoke about it, didn't we? We spoke about it, didn't we? That uh, well, a couple of weeks ago, just off the pod, that we we are trying to give everyone the the moment in the sun, so to speak. Like I said, we have spoke about Suns, Portland. We spoke about a load of different teams, so we are gonna again, especially in the off season, where stuff's not happening week to week and we're looking for news we will talk about stuff like this and compare duos and trios and stuff like that but but yeah Jim uh, I I I think that a lot of teams are definitely going to get a lot of publicity from us because we don't actually support one team die hard and we're not like got these like blinkers on say like we can't even give anyone else the flowers where it couldn't be further from the truth yeah
0: hopefully that'll be something the listeners pick up on as well that this is Going to be a podcast through all the season. That even though we've got our favorite teams, we're going to look at the NBA as a whole objectively. if We we've not got this cult like following. wasn't brought up as Denver fans or Miami fans or anything like that. We just love watching basketball. <laughs> so hopefully that translates well and is a bit of a, a, a positive for us. And yeah, hopefully listeners keep listening and. As I say, we are on the socials now. You can find us on Twitter at Spilling the Free. That's with the number three, Spilling the Free numerically. Um, you can tweet us if you want us to speak about a specific team, a specific player, something talking point going into the season. Like I said, we've got we're recording every week, pods out most Thursdays unless something mad happens in our lives that stops that. <laughs> um, and then yeah, just give us a tweet, give us a follow too. And then we are on TikTok as well. And again, it is spilling the free, but this time with the letter, um, with the word, sorry. Spilling the free. And you can pause there and yeah, I hope you've enjoyed this episode. I know I have a new book. Yeah, definitely. And I'm just gonna plug
1: the rest of our stuff. So if you're really enjoying what me and Jim are doing on Spilling the Three or our other football podcast that we do called That's the Way the Cookie Crumbles, give us a five-star review. Even if you've not got time to write one, just give us a five-star review. Gets us up the algorithm, gets us in front of more screens, and it means we can actually make some cash to do better episodes for you and put some more time and effort into this. So if you are enjoying what we're doing, we would really appreciate that. And it takes literally two seconds. We're not asking for an essay. Just give us a five-star review and fuck off. But if you enjoy Spilling the Three, me and Jim are really enjoying doing this. It's a nice British take on the NBA and hopefully we get some guests on in the near future. Wink, wink, like we've not already got a load lined up. But yeah, keep an eye out for them. And yeah, it's been another episode of Spilling the 3
0: still it.